The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, happy Friday, Chedville. It's Jalen Nye flying solo today. Andrew busy with the Edmonton Comedy Festival. Night, uh, I guess, two. If you count uh, the media night on Wednesday night, it went well. Night two uh, going well last night as well. He'll be back with me in studio on Tuesday, or not Tuesday, on Monday at 2 o'clock. Hope you've had a great day. Kind of a dreary day out there today. I don't know about you. I do like rainy days but it kind of makes you want to stay at home cuddled up uh you know on the couch in front of the fireplace with the dogs having naps that sort of thing it is dark out there uh but you know we'll get through it uh the wind they kept talking about this wind kicking up and there's still the possibility i guess of that the forecast though as you've heard eileen tell us uh throughout the day we could see uh, a bit of rain today up to 10 millimeters maybe some snow as well um but boy oh boy looking fantastic for the next few days well once we get through tomorrow sunny and one for the high tomorrow for the football game up to 12 in the sun on sunday and look at uh wednesday environment canada calling for 19 degrees in the sun oh can't wait for that we can all get our uh, our yard work done get the patio furniture uh put away all that sort of good stuff uh, thanks for joining me today we're going to have a great show lots coming up um including there's a, a locally made app that is trying to get you moving while supporting local businesses. Kind of cool. It's kind of like a local Pokemon almost, but you get rewards for it. We're going to talk about that uh, just after the 3.30 news. At 3 o'clock, there is a push to have conversion therapy banned across the country. It is banned in some provinces, not Alberta, but conversion therapy. Um, so we're going to talk to someone who's actually, who spent four years in conversion therapy. Uh, we're going to talk to him about um, that awful experience, as he describes it, for him um, and uh, why he believes uh, it needs to be changed and banned right now. Uh, after 2.30, do you think high school... Do you think college is preparing students for the real world, uh, for the workforce? Uh, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says Mm-mm, it is not, and they're citing numerous reasons. They're saying, you know, we don't need to prepare them for the future. We need them. We need to prepare kids for jobs right now. And coming up shortly, we're going to have a special guest on the show. Uh, Commander Chris Hadfield will be joining us. He is going to be in town next week, next Thursday, speaking at a Scouts Canada function uh, at the West Inn. If you're interested in going, I do have a pair of tickets to give away this afternoon, so we'll get to that um, coming up. So just waiting for him to call in. It's going to be interesting. Interesting, given what happened with um, the Russian cosmonauts yesterday and the Soyuz uh, capsule, what happened there, that emergency landing that they had to go through yesterday. So we'll talk to Commander Hadfield about that. Also on the show today, of course, at uh, 425, it is your last chance to get that word of the day in for that trip 
to Jamaica. We're going to be making that draw on Monday. Monday, October 15th, making the draw for that grand prize. You could be joining me and Andrew in Montego Bay January 19th for eight nights. It's going to be a fantastic trip. There are just a few seats left. If you don't win and you want to buy your way in. Uh, there'll be a really good, um, there's still an opportunity through New West Travel to uh, do that. Uh, as we wait, Commander Hadfield's call this afternoon. Um, wanted to bounce this off of you. Did you see this story? I know Eileen's been talking about it. Singapore Airlines and this 19 hour nonstop ride. It's the world's longest flight. Can you imagine, can you even begin to imagine being on a plane for 19 hours? I don't know about you. Uh, after about five hours, I start to get a little twitchy and I just do not enjoy it uh, after about that. But yeah, Singapore Airlines is now offering the world's longest direct commercial flight, uh, Singapore to New York. So um, it's going to be served three times a week. They had done uh, this back in 2004. They originally launched it, but then canceled it nine years later because of rising fuel prices. They've launched it again. Uh, no economy seats, 94 spacious economy and 67 business class seats, which fold out into a bed. Anyway, uh, 19 hours. I don't know about you. I think the longest I've done is about eight hours on a plane. I think this, um, you know, it's great. So it stops. Uh, you don't have to stop in Frankfurt, but I can't. I just simply cannot imagine being on a plane for 19 hours. So how long have you? What's the longest you've ever been on there for? I don't know. Let me know at 6.30, 6.30. Let me know what you're up to this week. And as well today, we have this. We're going to have some fun with it. It is, uh, there was a survey that was done, and it was the top 10 driving albums. The top 10 driving albums when you're on the road. Which tunes do you like to listen to? Let me know at 6.30, 6.30. We'll get to that. I'm going to take a quick break here right now in the hopes that Commander Hadfield's going to be giving us a call any minute because I want to make sure we have all the time that we possibly can with him when he calls in. So stick around when we come back. Hopefully, uh, Chris Hadfield joining us on the phone. You know, it's a Friday. It could be a Friday the 13th, but it's not. It's uh, Friday the 12th. Just waiting on uh, Chris Hadfield to give us a call. When he does, we'll get to it as soon as possible. was talking about this 19-hour nonstop ride that Singapore Airlines uh, is doing. And uh, I, like I said, that's uh, that seems like a very, very long time in a plane direct uh, for me. And I was asking you, just curious uh, what you thought of it and what, what you guys have done. Uh, Paul says, hey, Jay, 15 hours London to Tokyo. The other nine hours in a C-130 UK to Cyprus. I'll take the 15 anytime. Uh, hey, Jay. Good afternoon. 1983, I came back from New Zealand after meeting my pen pal. How many of you had a pen pal growing up? I had a pen pal in Korea at one point. Anyway, okay, so this one is from uh, Poland, Slave Lake. It says, I uh, came back from New Zealand after meeting my pen pal. Flight was 22 hours, but we had to spend two of those hours clearing customs in Hawaii because LAX was under construction. Those two hours went way too fast. Uh, and then this one, Brody Edabonneville says, the longest flight, Edmonton to Vancouver, Vancouver to Sydney, Sydney to Auckland, New Zealand, all in 24 hours. Oh my goodness. Well, if there's uh, one fellow who knows a lot about travel, it's 
it is our first guest this afternoon. Uh, Commander... Colonel Chris Hadfield joining us on the phone this afternoon. He uh, is going to be in town next Thursday speaking at the Northern Lights Scout Foundation Leadership Dinner. Colonel Hand- uh, Hadfield, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Glenn. How are you? I'm good, Chris. Listen, uh, can we start first off? Welcome back to the show, but I'd really love to start with what happened yesterday with the Soyuz rocket and I know you were watching it what was going through your mind as as you saw uh, what happened well nobody likes to see something go wrong and uh, what the fundamental um, uh, story of what happened is the rocket failed about two minutes into the launch it uh, it wasn't providing the thrust necessary the vehicle was not going to make it to space so what you've essentially done is you've taken two human beings thrown them way up into the sky, about 50 kilometers up, and now you're just going to see if they can make it back and land safely. It's a pretty crazy set of circumstances. But fortunately, all of the automated systems worked right. Their little capsule was uh, was properly separated from the malfunctioning rocket. Um, they did all the right things. It's, it's a Russian named Alexei and a, an American named Nick. They did all the right things inside after the years of training. Um, they got at the proper modes engaged, and the vehicle came down. The parachute opened at the right altitude, and they touched down safely and, and got out and, like, hey, give us a rocket that works. Yeah, so, exactly. so fortunately, they, they made it. But, um, but yeah, pretty uh, pretty difficult day. Something they're very, I mean, we're all heavily trained for. Yeah. But still something you wish uh, it wouldn't happen. Can you give us an idea of, you know, it's, you know, and they talk about it, um, that plummet back to earth and the impact on the body. What, 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 what would the pressure have been like on their body coming back to earth? Well, when we're standing here, you know, you've got the, the standard gravity of earth pushing you down, giving you your own weight. Um, when you're being decelerated by, by falling into the atmosphere, um, you work in multiples of your own weight. You know, we call it, instead of just 1G, you might have 2G, and then it's twice your own weight. Well, those guys experienced uh, about 7G. Yeesh. So if they weighed, you know, I don't know, let's just make the math easy, 100 kilograms, suddenly they weigh 700 hmm. kilograms. So uh, just lifting your arm or lifting your head or even breathing yeah. becomes, a, becomes a problem. But they're trained for it, and they're lying on their back. Okay. So the blood doesn't drain out of their head. It's not like if you're sitting upright where the weight of your blood, your heart can't lift it up to your head anymore. But, uh, so you don't black out, but it's still uh, pretty punishing on the body. And uh, and they definitely felt that for, for a brief period as they plummeted back into the atmosphere yesterday. Now that rocket has a pretty good track record. It's the most successful rocket in history. Yeah. It's flown uh, over 1,700 times. Hmm. Um, taking uh, equipment and satellites and people to space, but but it's just a machine, you know. Yeah. And and all machines eventually fail, whether it's your wristwatch or your or your car, or your snowblower or whatever. <laughs> I mean, they're just machines or your rocket ship. And and so the real key is: Are you ready for that machine to fail? And have you trained properly for the inevitability of failure? So um, even something as proven and reliable as the Soyuz rocket. Is not perfect, and uh, and once in a while they're not not going to do what they're supposed to do, and then and then the crew needs to be ready for it. Colonel Chris Hadfield joining us on the phone this afternoon. What does this mean for the um, the space station crew? Yeah, that's the big next question. I mean, once you know for sure that the crew of the Soyuz is safe, the, the rocket is safe, uh, they were going up to dock with the space station, mm-hmm. and um, 
and to do some, a lot of work up there and stay there uh, six months. Uh, and so now the three people living up on the space station, number one, they have less help and less skills. So if there's a serious problem up there, they've got less people to deal with it. Um, number two, eventually those people up on the space station need to come home. Mm-hmm. The ship, their their ship that they flew up in, it's got a finite amount of time that it can stay docked. It, it's like um, it's like parking your car in a parking lot over the winter. You know, after about a month, you know, the tires are going to go flat and the battery is going to go flat. You have to you have to uh, recognize that the Soyuz that's docked after a while will not be serviceable Hmm. and it's good till probably uh, january maybe they can stretch it to february if everything's working okay but it may take that long uh in order to figure out what was wrong with this rocket yesterday get recertified and trust ourselves enough to put people on top and try and launch them again Mm -hmm. maybe a lot a lot of decision making a lot of technical work People are going to be burning the midnight oil, but hopefully we can um, we can make those two things match up. It was pretty powerful watching. I think it was the American um, the 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 American after uh, coming off the plane, hugging his family yesterday. Like I can't yeah. imagine what that what that what was going through his mind at that point. Uh, especially because it was his first space flight, and in fact, technically, he still hasn't been in space. He get high <laughs> enough, <laughs> guy, but. Um, but still, that was yeah. his first launch, and for his family to watch it go wrong, and then there's a, yeah. there's inevitably a period in there where you don't know, you know, did did they did they make it through this or not? And and so uh, it's it's a pretty um, harrowing thing to go through, and you feel kind of helpless. Yeah. So when you get reunited with your family, uh, it's it's a great a great moment. And and I thought Nick, uh, you know, he just comported himself really well and recognized how uh, traumatic this had been for the spouse and and, uh, and and especially since he's, he's going to go do it again. Yeah. But in truth, if you look at it, everything worked properly to protect yeah. him. And, and he, he emerged without even a, you know, a torn fingernail. He, <laughs> it, it came out fine. Something as cataclysmic as a rocket failure. It shows the toughness of the design. The next Canadian to fly, David Saint-Jacques, he and I were emailing yesterday, and he said, it just proves that the Soyuz is an awesome and gnarly mm-hmm. flying machine. And I thought that was that was a good way to look at it. It's a good flying machine. Curious your uh, your thoughts on space travel for everyday folks, albeit probably very rich folks. Um, um, we, we're seeing Boeing, we're seeing Tesla. You know this race to get um, to get the, uh, to get everyday people up there. Um, your your thoughts on that? Well, it's just technology. It's sort of like if you and I were having a conversation in 1915 saying, hey, when are everyday people going to be able to fly in airplanes? True. And, and the, the answer would be the same. It's still risky. It's still only for the very rich. The technology isn't very good. You know, it's still a new thing. And, and we, it's, it, we haven't proven the technology enough yet to find a safe way to do it, that it becomes cheap enough that, that uh, regular folks can do it. But we've solved that problem with, with trains and cars and airplanes. Space flight's harder, but those things used to be really hard, too. And we're, we're inventive, and space flight is easier and safer now than it's ever been. And um, what, what Elon Musk and SpaceX and what Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin and what the folks at Boeing are doing, they're working hard to, to improve the technology, to make it more accessible. And it sounds far-fetched, mm-hmm. but, but most technology does. I mean... Think about the smartphone that, that's in your pocket. <laughs> How far-fetched that would have sounded 
just uh, when you were in school. You know, it, it's not that long ago, and yet now you, you take that marvel of technology completely for granted. And um, and so it's it's similar to that. It's it's going to be hard for a while, but we're an inventive species, and and we're really close, I think, to being able to make uh, space travel much more affordable and therefore much more common. Does that make you happy um, that it is going to be uh, eventually more commonplace or does it kind of tick you off a little bit that you worked really, really hard for a very, very long time and everyday oh, no, folks are going to be why, able to do it? That's why I worked hard yeah. for so long, is to try and make the technology better. It's not some secret society or something. You know, it's, <laughs> it seems it's, like uh, it. it if, 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 and, and, and there's a purpose to it and that is um, if you can actually see the world for what it actually is, not just your little square of it mm-hmm. that you become very biased and territorial about, um, but if you can actually go around the entire world in 90 minutes, yeah. the commonality and shared nature of the experience of being human gets into you. It, it, you see the world more accurately. You stop being so incredibly tribal uh, as in the inevitability of being raised in one small part of it. You don't think that suddenly yours is the only part of the world that actually exists or that matters or that does things right. And so I think travel is good for people, but space travel, global travel, I think will will really help inform people's fundamental picture of the world, and and that will be better for us all. So it it sounds kind of esoteric, but but I do have sort of an underlying motivation. If we want to have global problems solved, we have to start thinking globally. Chris, do you miss it? Oh, I, I no, I. It's my own life. I don't miss my own life. <laughs> I, I love what I'm doing right now. I mean, I'm coming to Edmonton to talk to um, yeah. all of those folks that support scouting, the young lives, uh, people that are trying to, you know, in their teens that are deciding what they're going to do with their lives. I teach at university. I, I, I do. I host, you know, National Geographic shows, and I, um, I speak all over the world, and I work with students on Skype and. I, you know, I do a lot of different projects purely to try and and share our understanding of what's going on, the, the privilege of the experiences I've had, and to let other people look at them and think about them and maybe change their own decision-making. I find that really interesting and rewarding, and, and, and I understand myself a little better. So I, I don't... I, I spend zero time missing things that I've already done. That, to me, that's... <laughs> If you turn around backwards and keep walking forwards, you're going to bump into stuff. I'm much more interested in what I'm doing now and what's coming up next than I am in the things that I've already done. I always love your perspective on on uh, on the world and on life whenever we talk with you, uh, Chris. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing uh, the event next Thursday that you're speaking at. It's the Northern Lights Scouts Foundation, which helps supports the, support the work of uh, the Scouts organization. I'm looking forward to seeing you there and listening to you speak once again. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. My pleasure. And if anybody listening is interested, I think there, there are tickets available that night. It's for a great cause. Uh, it's really, and it's supporting scouts, not just in the greater Edmonton area, but uh, to the north as well. People that can really benefit from what scouting has to offer. I was a scout as a kid as well. So so if anybody's interested, this, this should come to the evening. It'll be fun, but it's also serving an important thing within Canadian society. So you betcha. And I'm, I'm gonna, looking forward to seeing you there. And I'm going to tell people how to get a bit of a discount on those tickets as well coming up. Chris, thanks so much. Take care. 
pleasure. Nice to talk. You too. We'll talk to you again next Thursday. So again, it is the Northern Lights Scout Foundation. If you would like to get tickets, it is northernlightsscoutfoundation.ca. There is a code for CHED listeners. If you, uh, as it comes up, put in CHED, that'll give you $25 off tickets. But coming up, I do have, I do have tickets to give away. We'll do that before 3 o'clock. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.